Hi there. I'm Samantha Selinger-Morris, the host of Please Explain, the daily news podcast from The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. Today, we're bringing you an episode from our archive about so-called ghost colleges, institutions that are supposed to be providing tens of thousands of international students with an education, but instead stand near deserted in Melbourne and Sydney. Investigative reporter Clay Lucas discusses his months-long investigation into the rise of these colleges and what they tell us about our immigration system. We're releasing it for you today on Tuesday, December 26th. So, Clay, you grew up in Melbourne. You were the city editor at The Age for many years. You've paid perhaps closer attention to what's going on in Melbourne than almost anyone else. But recently you noticed something about the city that you never had before. So can you tell me about that discovery? Yeah, so for the last three months or so, I've been reporting on the immigration system and international students in particular. And one of the things that I've become most kind of aware of is the number of colleges that are located in the centre of Melbourne. Walking down Burke Street, towards the Burke Street Mall and the GPO, um, the sort of centre of Melbourne. There's about 300 of these colleges on the CBD grid just in just in the city centre. And over the last three months, I've just been going to all of these colleges, walking down city streets and looking for the first time and seeing where all of these colleges are. And the main, main things they teach here are cookery and automotive mechanics. They're in B-grade offices all over the centre of town. Wherever the real estate is cheapest, they seem to have become a centre for colleges where international students will go to school. So we're standing out in front of 380 Burke Street. It's a... Uh, five-storey office building built in the 1990s. It's a sort of, there's an Australia Post on the ground floor and on level two is one of the four classrooms in this building. We're just going to go up now and um, check out that classroom. And what I learned over time is that they've become known in the education industry as ghost colleges. I've been coming for about three months. Most days I'll just pop past on my way to the office or from the office. It's a college that's registered for about 500 students. And over the three months I've been coming here, I've seen a total of three students. So what exactly are they? Why do all these colleges exist? Well, on paper, this Industry exists to provide tens of thousands of international students with an education. So the vocational colleges exist to teach things like hospitality, cookery, early childhood, aged care. So they exist to, to do some really great work. If you go to some of the, some of the best colleges, you'll find them doing cookery courses or kitchen management courses and it's happening in every major city in Australia. It's really extreme in both Melbourne and Sydney, but every every big city's got it. Okay, so the growth of these colleges, they're really a response to a steady increase and I think even more recently a spike in the tens of thousands of international students migrating to Australia. A lot of them are being granted study visas and they're enrolling in vocational colleges like the ones you visited. But if the classes are empty, where are the students? 
Well, the classes are, are empty because the students are working. They're working a variety of jobs in, in the hospitality industry, in early childhood and childcare, aged care, Uber drivers, food delivery, cleaning, in security, in retail. You can legally work 24 hours per week when you come here on a student visa. A lot of students get an ABN number and work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And the thing is to pay their tuition fees, they sort of have to work these sorts of hours because they've got the cost of living here. To live in an Australian city, it costs four to five times more than it does to, say, live in an, an Indian city. So you've got some people coming from some really poor parts of South Asia and there's plenty of genuine vocational colleges out there teaching people the skills that we need, but at the same time, there's all of these colleges that are just there to really provide people with a effectively a low-cost work permit. Okay, so the students are actually working instead of attending classes. So is that because an education visa is actually easier and cheaper to obtain than a work visa to come to this country? Yeah, if you apply through one of Australia's universities, you can generally get a fast-tracked visa within days, so long as you meet certain criterion, so long as you can show you have a, a genuine intention not to remain in Australia permanently, as long as you can show you have the resource to support yourself. But once you once you enter the country on a student visa through one of the universities, one of the big things that's been happening is that uni students will get in take out a concurrent enrolment with another much cheaper vocational college and then never pay their first semester's tuition at the university. So they're, they're getting quite easy entry into the country because of this streamlined process that's been in place for decades now. And then once they're here, there's not anyone keeping a really good track of them. Pre-COVID, there was 200 to 300,000 international students coming each year. In the year that's just ended in June, we've had half a million students come for the first time. Wow. And so keeping track of all of these students is kind of impossible with the resources that the federal government puts into it. And in terms of the sort of possible rorting or the rorting that it sounds like is happening, I believe immigration and education agents are actually sort of brazenly advising international visitors to Australia on how they can secure a student visa and amass points towards permanent residency, even though they don't actually plan on studying here. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, there's a whole cadre of education agents that exist. They're both onshore and offshore. And they do a lot of the work that immigration agents are meant to do, but they're unlike immigration agents, they're completely unregulated. So there's no one overseeing, there's no one licensing them, there's no one sort of checking what they're doing. And it's sort of down to a trust system between the universities and the agents and the vocational college and, the, and then the agents. And the relationship between the education education agents that are helping students get into the country and the colleges themselves is often quite a lot of the colleges are owned by recently arrived migrants who then take advantage of students from their own culture by sort of promising them things via these education agents that in some cases turn out to be not true when they get here in some instances the kids pay a premium in order to not have to attend and not have to do the work themselves. One of the colleges over the weekend, I was being told about a, a cricket club that college is involved with. Now, that college tells students if they don't want to attend to deposit a payment into the cricket club's account and they'll you know turn a blind eye to their non-attendance. And if they want to even do really well on their marks and not have to attend at all, they can put in an extra payment and 
not even have to hand in assessments. And that's just one sort of thing that I heard about on the weekend, but I've just been hearing these sorts of things for so many months now that invariably a lot of them have turned out to be true. So what this sounds like is that our education system's actually being rorted by both providers and international students. Is that right? Well, it's sort of a, it's a system where... In one way, everyone wins. The federal government gets to say that our international education system is a success because so many hundreds of thousands of students are coming. The universities get to, you know, make a lot of money from all the international students that come to the unis. They lose a lot of kids to vocational colleges, but the volume of students that are now coming through is so large that you sort of get the sense that the universities just wear it. Although they're starting to complain to the federal government now because the bleeding from universities to the vocational sector is getting so huge. The students win because they, you know, in a lot of cases, they're making much more money in Australia than they might in India, Nepal, Bangladesh. And so everyone has a vested interest in keeping the system going. And I guess that then begs the question, well, what's the problem here? And the problem is that a lot of these students come from really really poor areas of the Punjab and Haryana and, you know, the poorest states in India. And we're effectively bleeding them of thousands of dollars of tuition fees in order to get workers that we actually need in the country at the moment doing, you know, all these jobs that the citizens won't do. And the other long-term problem is the sort of degradation to the education system that will inevitably happen over time if we just keep turning a blind eye to, to what's going on in these ghost colleges. We'll be right back. And Clay, these colleges, there's as many as 70 on Queen Street and Melbourne's CBD alone. They're in plain sight, and yet they're empty day after day. Sometimes the lights are off completely. So how are they still running? How has no one picked up on this? I mean, is there no body that regulates this? So the body that regulates vocational colleges is the Australian Skills Quality Authority, And they know a lot about what's going on in these colleges. The issue for them is that they have so little resources to physically go into colleges and and, and check that what is meant to be happening is happening. They they currently have three authorised offices in Victoria, and that's to regulate 306 colleges and institutions. So they really don't physically have the manpower to go into colleges and check what's going on is what is meant to be happening there. They do do a lot of checking on paper that the colleges are doing what they say they're going to do, but that's all part of the game of how these colleges are run. So the the colleges invest a lot of money in having the teachers that are meant to be on site, having them on site. They invest a lot of money in proper attendance records, even if those attendance records are often bodgy. They invest a lot of money in being able to show that students are making progress, even if that is fictitious progress in a lot of cases. And and so there is a body that's responsible for regulating it. To a degree, they do what they can, but they just don't have the resources that they need to. Right. And so, so how do we tackle it? What is the government currently doing to remedy these broken pathways, loopholes and rorting of our immigration system? I think the government turns a blind eye as much as it can. It's now gotten to the point where it's so out of hand that they've recognised that there's a problem here. 
earlier in the year, Christine Nixon finished a report into the immigration system, and it it talked very specifically about the problems with uh, vocational colleges. So the federal government said that they've inherited this system full of rorts and all sorts of dodginess. It's been around for longer than just the government before them, like the Gillard and Rudd governments had a lot of problems with exactly the same things. And in fact, the age reported on ghost colleges back in 2010, 2011, and we were seeing a lot of the same sorts of stuff going on then. But it's it's gotten so bad now that the government is flagging that they're going to crack down on education agents and really regulate that space a lot more. They've said they're going to make it harder for students to move between universities and colleges. So that will take, a, take out a big chunk of kids who are coming here and just instantly going to a much cheaper college. And they said, said that they're going to give more power and resources to the Australian Skills Quality Authority, which regulates vocational colleges, and to the authority that regulates universities. So to a degree, they've turned a blind eye, but they're realising they need to do something about it. So Clay, what does that mean for all the students who are already here and the vocational colleges that are dotted across our cities? If the government's going to commit to this crackdown, then where does that leave them? I think if the government takes a much harder line on ensuring that colleges really do do what what they say on the box, then I think students will find themselves having to attend more classes. The problem with that is that a lot of kids have come here under the assumption that they will be able to work many, many hours each week in order to pay for their lives here, in order to send money home, which is one of the big things that a lot of kids do, and in order to pay their tuition fees. So if the government really cracks down hard on some of the some of the dodgier colleges, then we're going to create real problems for the students that are already here. Thank you, Clay, for joining us. Thank you very much. Today's episode of Please Explain was produced by Julia Carr-Katzel with technical assistance by Chi Wong. Our executive producer is Ruby Schwartz. Please Explain is a production of The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. If you enjoy the show and want more of our journalism, subscribe to our newspapers today. It's the best way to support what we do. Search The Age or smh.com.au forward slash subscribe. I'm Samantha Selinger-Morris. This is Please Explain. Thanks for listening.